0: You're listening to a message from Every Nation GTA. For more information, please visit our website at EveryNationGTA.org. Well, good morning to all of you there watching, and it's great for me to be with you wherever you're watching, into uh living rooms across the GTA, small groups, and to the downtown watch party. Special shout out to you guys as you gathered in us. And so uh it's the last day, last Sunday as well of, of April, and I've um just really been reflecting on a very significant month for us as a church in particular. Um, obviously, Easter was early in April, a very significant uh, event, not just for us, but for worldwide for Christians. The the death and resurrection of Jesus literally changed everything. Um, and then, for many of you know, last week we had a wonderful service uh, where we celebrated our 10th anniversary as Every Nation GTA, and just reflecting on the goodness of God over 10 years, a decade of ministry, and uh, it was just really encouraging to me just to see lives have been changed and touched um through our church and through our ministry and the ups and downs of life and ministry uh, are part of the deal but it's really great and and it was really a highlight just to see the baptisms that we had and just to hear the testimonies of people um encountering jesus and jesus doing what he does best is changing us and putting us on a trajectory um the best trajectory for our lives and so um and then and then, you know, the third maybe miracle of, of April was, was last night. For those of you, <laughs> uh, who, uh, watch, uh, sport or hockey, um, you'll know what a win men means to the city for the Maple Leafs, for Leafs nation. And so not necessary to say that Easter 10th anniversary and the Leafs win are in the same category, but probably all miracles in one way or another. Um, and so we're going to jump into in the last, uh, this is our third year, um, the pattern after easter we've jumped into a series called unstoppable and so i'm as i've been reflecting on what's been going on on with easter with our 10th anniversary as we come into unstoppable um, for me i'm connecting some dots that i think is really important for us as a church now acts uh, book of acts was written by uh, luke who wrote the gospel of luke it's just a continuation of the life and the ministry of jesus but now through his spirit and his church right so jesus ascends to the father but he says, hey, we're continuing with this mission. It's unstoppable. And uh, my spirit is going to come upon you. And so we're invited, you know, some 2,000 years later, we're invited not just to to spectate, but to participate in the same advancement of this unstoppable kingdom that Jesus began. And so we're to continue what Jesus began to do in, in word and deed and then in power. And so Jesus sums it up beautifully what the book of Acts really is about. Um, in one verse, way back in chapter one, and it's this. He said, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses. Listen to that phrase. You will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, and in all Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Now, his direct original audience was his disciples, his followers. But by extension, all followers throughout all ages have the same commission from Jesus. You will be my witnesses wherever you find yourself in this world. And so in 2021, when we began the book of Acts, the book of Acts is 28 chapters is a big chunk. So we divided it up into seasons we're in season three, we're going to kick off season three, but back in 21, we, we kicked off a season one. And really this, the first seven chapters of Acts is all about that. It's about their witness primarily to Jerusalem. And so a lot of Jewish people came to place their faith in Jesus. In fact, in, um, towards the end of, of season one, Um, It says, this is a summary statement, it says, so the word of God spread, the number of disciples in Jerusalem increased rapidly, and a large number of priests became obedient to the faith. And then in season two last year, we continued on, and so now it's not just in Jerusalem, it's spreading. It's going to a region called Judea and Samaria, and the Samaritans begin to place their faith and to follow Jesus. Now, it's not just Jewish people, that other people, other ethnicities are beginning to see and place their faith in Jesus. Um, and the summary statement in chapter 12 is this, but the word of God continued to spread and flourish. Now that but word is really important because it sounds great. It's spreading. It's what Jesus said. You can be my witnesses. But if you've tracked with this user, if you know anything about Acts, you know there was a ton of persecution and backlash that the earliest followers of Jesus had to put up with as well. Not everyone was receptive to this message that there's a new king in town and his name is Jesus. And so we even see that there was the first martyr, Stephen. We see that there's this guy called Saul who was a very uh, zealous religious person who felt like the Jesus followers were a cult. They were actually blasphemy against God. And so he set about uh, imprisoning the earliest Christians and even putting some of them to death. But miraculously, in season two, we see he gets converted. He encounters Jesus. He has a Damascus road experience. And all of a sudden he realizes actually Jesus is the true leader, the true king of the world. And now we're going to find that Paul takes center stage really in the rest of the book of Acts. So we come to season three. And this is now the third part of what Jesus said. You're going to be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea and Samaria, and out to the ends of the earth. And that's really what we're going to spend the next few weeks looking at, how this gospel goes to very different cultures, very different ethnicities, very different geographic locations, but in essence it has the core of the gospel to it and it's a beautiful expression of just how the gospel is relevant to all peoples everywhere and so season three is going to end off with a great summary straight statement in chapter 19 in this way the word of the lord spread widely and grew in power now paul does take center stage in fact he goes on some these missionary journeys and he goes on three particular missionary journeys. And just to give you a scope of, now this was in a day where you didn't have airplanes. You couldn't just jump on an airplane and get to another place very quickly. Um, but here's a map of just kind of uh, Europe today, around the Mediterranean today. Um, and you can just see how much ground Paul and his co-workers covered. So there's three journeys. And then in season four, which we'll do next year, is the orange one, how he makes his way to Rome. Um, very significant part, but we'll not jump ahead to next year. But that just gives an indication of just the spread of the gospel has not just been contained to Jerusalem, not just been contained to some mess- Jewish messianic cult, but it's really now taking um, spread into the rest of the world. And so for me, as I've been reflecting on on the Easter event, the death and resurrection of Jesus, as I've been reflecting on Uh, Last year, in particular, the the word that uh, guest speaker Matt, Matt shared with us, he talked about the seed, he used the parable of Jesus, where he talked about the seed, in essence, the gospel, the seed taking root and flourishing and growing in the kingdom of God. And Sometimes we don't know how, and sometimes it's beyond our power to make it grow, but it takes root and it flourishes. And I don't know if you picked up in the three verses of those summary statements of the witnessing going to Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, but it has this idea of the seed in it. With the word spread, flourished, increased, it multiplied, it grew. There's something of a connection between our responsibility to bear witness to Jesus and then doing that, it, it, it spreads seed that somehow takes root. And when it takes root, it really flourishes and grows. And in other places, it does get rejected. And so I want to combine those and talk about that a little bit today about um, witness and seed connection. Now to witness um, has two main meanings. It, it means to um, see or experience something and then to tell about what you've seen or experienced. Now if you ride the TTC uh, like I do sometimes, you'll hear a phrase um, often coming up now and it'll be something like this. If you see something, say something. That's the two aspects of a witness. You see something then it's your responsibility to say something about what you've seen, right? So in that context, they're looking for like crime or suspect behavior, that kind of thing. But we apply this to all areas of life. Like last night, do you remember where you were when you watched the historic win of the leagues, right? You saw something, experienced something, and no doubt if you're a supporter, you're about to say something to a bunch of people. Or do you remember back in 2019 where you were when the Raptors won the championship, Or other historic events, where were you on 9-11, do you remember that? And so we experience things often, we experience it, and then we relay it to others as we've experienced. And that's the essence, that's the essence of what a witness is. They just see something and then they say something about what they've seen. And so when we do that, we're narrating what we've seen, what we've heard, what we've experienced, that's part of our personal um, experience of what we've seen or experienced, But then we also do another part as we confess what we believe about what we've seen. And so that's what Jesus is saying. Hey, you've experienced, you've encountered me. Now go and tell people about that and confess what is true about me. And so when we do that, when we narrate and confess what we've witnessed, that's the seed that spreads, that grows, that multiplies, that flourishes, that even despite suffering, persecution, yes, even death continues to spread. The result of which you and I are here today because they took that seriously and bore witness to Jesus. And so just like in farming, the analogy is good or gardening, achieving fruitfulness. We need to take in consideration not just the the seed, the quality of our seed, but also the soil in which we place that seed. And so today we're going to use the text today and talk very briefly about the soil and the seed for witness. So turn with me to Acts chapter 13 as we kick off season three. And um, just to catch you up to speed what's happened here is it it's significant so the Antioch Church has become like the sending center for the church. It's kind of moved from Jerusalem onto Antioch. Antioch was a very very like like a modern day Toronto, if you will, very cosmopolitan multi-ethnic um, a large city. And as they're worshiping as a church, the Spirit tells the church, hey, set apart Paul and Barnabas for a special work, a special work that's now going to go to the non-Jewish people, the Gentile nations, and not just in their region, actually go multi-travel. like travel. And so Luke, as he's documenting this, in this season, he's going to provide at least three gospel summaries, at least three sermons that Paul preaches to very different audiences. And in doing so, he gives us a real great summary of the essence of the seed of the gospel that Paul and his co-workers that took root and grew in that region and so we're going to read just a portion it's actually a very long it's one of the longest sermons it's actually great it's, so i had the two choices today i had to i could just sit up here and read paul's sermon and say amen and get done and maybe after I've preached, he was like, that would have been a better option. But I felt like um, because he was addressing an audience that's very different to us today, I'm going to take little snippets and just see what relevance does that have to us today, even though we're sitting some 2,000 plus years from this event and in a very different setting, yet this, the relevance. And so join me in Acts chapter 13. and I'm just going to pick a few verses from his great sermon and um, and then going to have some application for us today. So I'm going to read from verse 26 to 33 and then jump again to 38 to 39. It says this. Fellow children of Abraham, and you God-fearing Gentiles, it is to us that this message of salvation has been sent. The people of Jerusalem and their rulers did not recognize Jesus yet in condemning him, they fulfilled the words of the prophets that are read every Sabbath. Though they found no proper ground for a death sentence, they asked Pilate to have him executed. When they had carried all sorry, when they had carried out all that was written about him, they took him down from the cross and laid him in a tomb. But God raised him from the dead. And for many days he was seen by those who had traveled with him from Galilee to Jerusalem. They are now his witnesses to our people. We tell you the good news. What God promised our ancestors, he has fulfilled for us their children by raising up Jesus. Verse 38. Therefore, my friends, I want you to know that through Jesus, the forgiveness of sins is proclaimed to you. Through him, everyone who believes is set free from every sin a justification you were not able to obtain under the law of Moses. And so in Paul's sermon, there's a connection, and not just in this one, you'll actually see that he preaches to other different audiences, we'll cover that some in this series, but there's always a connection between the context and the audience in which he finds himself before, and the content of what he proclaims about Jesus and the gospel. And that's really helpful for us as we figure out how are we to be faithful to bear witness to Jesus in our time, and our place. That hasn't changed, but obviously our context and our time is very different to where they felt they, they had their context and their time was. And so when it comes to fruitful witnessing, both the soil and the seed, if you will, back to that metaphor, are important factors to consider. So let's look at the soil very quickly. And the soil just really means it's the context for the gospel, it's the context In which we bear witness to Jesus. It's the, it's the, it's the context in which we want to put the seed and trust that the seed would do its work of spreading and growing and multiplying and bringing a harvest of followers to Jesus. Now, you may have the best quality seed, but if you're trying to plant it in concrete, good luck. And so context matters. Have you ever, um, had, um, needed to have an important conversation, maybe a hard conversation, with somebody, maybe a co-worker, maybe a boss, maybe a spouse, maybe a child, whatever it is, and someone said, hey, have you had that conversation with that person? And you would say something like this, not yet, I'm waiting for the right time. That's context. Is you're waiting for a time when the receptivity of what you're about to say is going to be better than maybe at other times, right? There's certain times. If you've been in a relationship or married for any length of time, you'll know that there are certain times when to say something, when not to say something, and how you read the other person and the language and what's going on is really important to what you're saying. It doesn't matter how good, you might be saying, I'm sorry, but it's not just what you say, it's how you say it, where you say it, when you say it, and why you're saying it, right? That's context. Context matters. Now we have a great seed. We have the quality of the seed of the gospel is is good. We don't need to tamper with that. But oftentimes we struggle because we maybe misread the context in which we bring it in or the receptivity of the people to which we want to place that seed with. And so paying attention to the receptivity of the the context that we find ourselves in is really important to to bearing witness to Jesus. Now Jesus is the way but there are many ways to Jesus, right? And so, for Paul, with this particular group of audience, it's ironic because we're talking about him going to the Gentiles and to the world. But his pattern was: whenever whatever city he would land up in, he would first go to the synagogue. He would have an opportunity to preach there. But increasingly, the Jewish people increasingly began to reject the Jesus as Messiah, and so then he would turn to the Gentiles, and they had an openness to the gospel. But he speaks to this Jewish audience. And he knows the context, and so the verses that we didn't read, he spends a whole chunk of it reciting the history of Israel, but saying how the history of Israel was always pointing to Jesus. And he throws in quotes from the Old Testament. Why? Because his audience had a high esteem for the authority of Scripture. His audience knew the story of Israel. It was their story. It made sense. But for him to go and do that with a bunch of pagans who had no clue That wouldn't have been right. And so you'll see when he comes to other audiences, he won't even quote scripture. He won't even talk about the history. He'll argue from nature. He'll argue from philosophy. What is he doing? He's trying to find common ground, a context in which the receptivity of the gospel can come to his audience without unnecessary barriers. And that takes a bit of work. And you might say, well, I'm not the Apostle Paul. Good, you're not. Don't try to be like the Apostle Paul. There's only one Apostle Paul. There's only one you. But we are to pay attention to what is the quality of the soil that's around us. What are ways that we can have common ground with the people around us? And so, you know, last week when we did baptisms and in the past when we've done baptisms, it's always amazing to me. And and one of the reasons why we get people to write out their one-minute testimony share because of this very thing is they're bearing witness. They're seeing and experiencing something and now they're saying something about that. And each one of their testimonies may resonate differently with depending on who's in that audience. But as I've looked at heard those testimonies last week as I hear testimonies of previous baptisms, it's amazing how many different places people have encountered Jesus. Jesus is the way, but there are many ways to Jesus. Sometimes the way to Jesus is through church. People grow up in church and they hear the gospel. Sometimes people grow up in a Christian family, and that's how they hear about Jesus and come to Jesus. Sometimes it's through a friend. Sometimes it's through a coworker. Sometimes it's through a dream or a vision. Sometimes it's through some miraculous experience. Sometimes it's through a crisis. There are many ways that people can come to encounter Jesus. That's context. And so we do a disservice if we say, this is the only way that you can, it's, I'm going to speak Bible to you, but what if the person that you're speaking Bible to has no, Bible has no authority in their lives. That's going to be an irrelevant context for them to hear the gospel. And so, Paul the Apostle gives us a great demonstration and will continue to do so as we go through the series of how context matters, of how people, what's going on, and there's ways in which he does that and asks questions. But then, at some stage, he does want to get to the seed. He does want to plant the seed. You can, you can till, you can make the fertile. You can have the most fertile ground for seed to flourish in. But you know what else flourishes in fertile ground? Weeds. And so it's not just that we have now done the hard work of of the context, not just that we've done the hard work of people are receptive. The quality of our seed does matter, right? Because anything can grow in a receptive heart. And so fertile soil is a great place for seed to flourish, but also for weeds. And so the quality of our gospel matters. And I think this is sometimes where people go, well, how would you succinctly, what are the core essentials of the gospel? If you had the opportunity to share the gospel with someone, what are the core things That should be included in that. I mean, the gospel is so comprehensive. It's the story of scripture. We know that. But in essence, Paul, and as we see throughout some of the sermons of Peter and as we have gone and will go through the book of Acts, it doesn't matter almost what context they're in. Certain things come up again and again. And that's what we want to highlight today. And hopefully that will be something for you and I to really be equipped with as well as we think about how we want to bear witness to Jesus and hopefully have opportunity uh, in our context. And so the core of the gospel really is Jesus. In verse 32, Paul says it like this we tell you the good news. It's good news. What God promised our ancestors he has fulfilled for us. So that's a bit of his context. He they know what he's talking about. Their children by raising up Jesus. Ah so that's something the core of the gospel is not just Jesus' teachings, not just his miracles, but the fact that Jesus was raised from the dead becomes a core thing. And so he goes on and categorizes under three crucial questions some things that I think are core to the gospel as we see from his and other sermons. The first question he answers is, what must I believe? So when when we're talking about witnessing to Christ, what must I believe? The confession of what we, we, what we believe about, what we've seen and experienced about Jesus that we confess Christ, right? At the essence of it, it's, it's the person of Jesus. But it's not just Jesus. It's that Jesus was crucified, was buried, was raised, and was seen. In fact, those four things, um, crucified, that he died, that he was buried, that he was raised, that he was seen, became a four-point confessional for the early church. So much so that in 1 Corinthians 15, Paul summarizes it like this. And it wasn't from him. He had heard it. As he had been discipled by other people, he says it like this. For what I received, there we go, there's discipleship. For what I received, I passed on to you as of first importance, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. That he was buried, that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures. And that he appeared to Peter and then to the twelve. So what must I believe? We confess Christ. Confess Christ was crucified, was buried, was raised, and that he was seen. And it's important. It's important that, in fact, you know, elsewhere tells us that he appeared to over several hundred people. Um, and so Paul presents Jesus' death and resurrection, not just as some symbol like a cross that we would wear today, but as fact. This happened. This was a historic event. It happened. And so the resurrection of the crucified Jesus provides the unifying element of Christian faith and belief and practice for the community of Jesus. So there's many denominations, many expressions of the church. We know that there's many um, differences in certain beliefs of the church. But at the essence, what unites Christians is this thing, is we rally around the death and the resurrection um, of Jesus. So what should you believe? should believe the easter event that's at the essence of it you know it's not to dismiss all the other things of jesus teachings those are important that kind of thing but they're all almost irrelevant unless he rose from the dead um secondly why should i believe and this is getting into things of credibility but also relevance like what's the okay great jesus died forgives my sins what does that mean you know It meant something to those audience, Like, does it mean something different to us? And so, again, Paul argues credibility from different sources depending on who he's speaking to, nature, philosophy, scripture for these Jewish uh, people that he was speaking to. And so, again, it's important to understand what what are credible, um, what are reasonable, um, what's the reasonableness of your faith for the context that you're speaking it in. You know, and it's not just say, "Hey, well, just believe, right? Or because I told you so. Paul actually argues that these are credible reasons to have faith. You know, everyone has a a, a belief system. It's just a matter of what that belief system is and and is it credible. And so Christianity stands the test of time and being a credible, um, coherent belief system. Not just because of faith is blind. Are there's aspects of faith? Absolutely. But there's credibility. It's credibility to the resurrection. And so that's what he argues. But it's not just credibility. It's what's the relevance. How does this bear upon people's lives today, not just then, today? And so he says, I want you to know, brothers and sisters, my friends, that through Jesus the forgiveness of sins is proclaimed to you. And so when you hear forgiveness of sins, I think sometimes we think in a very personal way. And rightly so. It's, it's, it's an incredible aspect of what Jesus does is he forgives us of the ways that we fall short. But if we just leave it on a personal level, we we really reduce the gospel to something very um. Very much of, of what it was. The forgiveness of sins was like a, 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 a un, it was like a zipped file for the people, the Jewish people at that time. Forgiveness of sins was a catchphrase for everything that had gone wrong, for the restoration of everything that had gone wrong from their alienation with their relationship with God, with one another, with creation and how the world is stewarded. Everything of that was captured in our sinfulness. That's why there was such, um, you know, you read, leviticus and all these books about the 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 need to approach god because he's holy there's a a incredible awareness of the gap that's between us and god and because of that between us and how the world is supposed to function so forgiveness of sins was a catchphrase to say that hey god's come and stepped into humanity god's come and stepped into time and space and he is making right all things that have gone wrong starting with you starting with me, drawing us back into relationship with Him. But as we get back into relationship with Him, it's supposed to impact our relationships with others and in our relationship with the world. It's not just a personal forgiveness of sins. It's a cosmic undoing of sin, the power of sin. Uh, one one theologian puts it like this, God has entered His sin God creation in Jesus, delivering humanity and all His creation from sin and all its consequences, and reestablished re-establishing his faithful and loving sovereignty among humanity and all creation. All this has already begun through Jesus, through his life, death and resurrection. There it is again. And all this will one day be completed at his return. And so Paul doesn't just address the fact of the Easter event. He addresses the fact that it's a fulfillment. It's the fulfillment of the story of Israel for sure, but it's the fulfillment of all our story. You know, you think about this, like, what is the deepest longings of people? And again, it'll be different from context to context, but in a a kind of primal way, there's a longing for, for goodness, for beauty, for truth, for justice, for all these kind of things. And there's a way to point that back and say, Jesus is the fulfillment for the deepest longings of your and my and an aching world's heart. And so... That's what Paul's presenting in his gospel and the relevance to you and to I. And then thirdly, he doesn't just answer, what should I believe? Why should I believe it? What must I believe? But then how can I believe? Okay, how do I enter into this? How do I appropriate what Jesus did into my life? And he says it like this in verse 39, through him, through Jesus, everyone who believes is set free from every sin. Now, again, that word belief, it can mean different things to different people. But in that context, how they used it, belief was really a call to both an invitation and a challenge. It was a call to to receive the truth about what Jesus did and who he is. And it was a challenge to then turn from other things that we trust in, other belief systems that we're holding on to, to put our faith in him and then to follow him. And so it's receiving Jesus, it's turning away, repenting is a good word for that, but then it's also trusting in Jesus and then following Jesus, following his path, bearing witness to him as we follow him. And so how can we believe? We believe as we do that, as we respond to both the invitation and the challenge. And so for us, you think about it now, you think about 2,000 plus years of bearing witness to Jesus, pretty incredible. In Acts 1 verse 8, when Jesus said, you'll be my witnesses to the ends of the earth, he sounded pretty confident that bearing witness would bring about an international, multi-ethnic, Jesus-following movement. And 2,000 plus years later, he was spot on. He's right. What, a, what an incredible testimony to Jesus' relevance to everyone, everywhere. It was never meant just to be for a select group of people. Paul, remember everyone who believes in, not someone, everyone, the opportunity, the invitation is for everyone who believes in him. And so as we think about our role, Every Nation GTA, as we think about the challenge we received last week, our responsibility to be sowers of the seed, to bear witness to Jesus in our city and in our time, as we think about the next 10 years of ministry, as we think about Future baptisms of people encountering perhaps your witness to them, my witness to them. As we think about this, we're called to be faithful witnesses to Jesus in our context. And as we do that, remember, just like their witness was, our witness is guided by the providence of God. It's empowered by the Spirit and it rests on the resurrection of Jesus. That takes the pressure off you and I to try and make this thing grow or try and force it into a soil that maybe isn't as receptive, at the end of the day, a lot of it is trusting God with the seed, but our responsibility is to scatter that seed. And so we're called to see something and say something. We're called to narrate what we've experienced by this Jesus person. We're called to narrate what we've experienced in our life by his death and his resurrection for us, and then confess what we believe about him, to articulate what it is that's important to believe about Jesus. And as we do that, we trust that the gospel seed spreads widely. It increases. Disciples are made. Churches are planted. Just like it was in that time, do it again in our time. And so I want to pray and I want to give you some practical next steps if you want to respond to this message. And so Father, we do want to receive this message for us in our day and our time. Our context is widely different to the context you were calling your first disciples to bear witness to you but God you anticipated this going to the ends of the earth to go into different people's different contexts and so would you help us in our context of Canada the GTA and the cities and neighborhoods that we find ourselves in the campuses we find ourselves on God to be good students of the context we find ourselves in to be good students of, of to be good gardeners of, of, of making that soil more receptive if we can but then also being good Scatterers of the seed of what we've seen and what we've heard and what we've experienced. That we've seen something. God, give us words to say something. And as we do that, God, we trust you to breathe upon those seeds, to bring in a fruit for your glory and our joy, God. And that we would celebrate the next 10 years, many more baptisms of people encountering Jesus, the risen King, the risen Savior, the one who was crucified, buried, raised, And now giving us a new way to follow in this world. And so I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. And so for you today, maybe today is the day that you need to believe, to trust and put your faith in him today. Maybe for many of you, you're watching, you've done that. But maybe it's realizing again, hey, my role is to testify. Maybe it's figuring out with your friends and your small group. What are the hindrances that you experience, I experience to bearing witness to Jesus in our day? Now and age. And if there's any way that we can help you in either of those or anything else, I encourage you to make use of our next steps card online. The link will be there. And uh, we would love to help get you plugged in so that you too could be a faithful witness to Jesus in our time and our place. Amen. You've been listening to a message from Every Nation GTA. Thanks for joining us. For more information, visit our website at everynationgta.org.